Hello, Japan by River Cruise is made possible thanks to those who donate to the show every month at japanbyrivercruise.com as members. We're very grateful. But also due to the generosity of our corporate sponsors. This week, we're happy to present a job posting from the JBRC Classified Ads. Now seeking qualified and non-qualified candidates to fill the position of Tokyo 2020 president. Responsibilities will include liaising with the handful of Japanese firms who still think the Olympics should go ahead as planned, spearheading an Olympic volunteer retainment program, and coordinating disaster mitigation efforts at the torch relay sites. Experience rearranging deck chairs on a sinking ship would be a bonus. Your contract period will be on a week-by-week basis. We'll see how it goes. And salary will range between way too much and way, way too much, depending on whether or not you've ever been Prime Minister. Please allow for up to two weeks to respond to your submission while we check your application against our very new and ridiculously stringent social media policy. Please submit your electronic application to Tsunekazu Takeda at Tokyo2020.org. And to allow for faster processing, please go ahead and fill in the subject field of your email with the word scapegoat. Hello, Brian, and welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. And joining us this week is Atsuro Tsujino, member of the Japan Lawyers Network for Foreigners, writer at Highly Skilled Japan, and our legal counsel on retainer in case Konotaro ever files that defamation lawsuit against our Twitter account. I do think JBRC versus Taro Kono has a nice ring to it. Uh, you mean BRJC versus Konotaro? In any case, Atsuro, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. On this week's show, it's been one year since coronavirus first arrived in Japan, and Japanese companies are still using the virus as an excuse to get rid of their foreign employees. Atsuro will actually tell us what to do in this situation, and thank God, because when I asked on Chie Bukuro, the consensus was that I should go back to my own country. Plus, Ali's got your weekly River Cruise recommendation. Ali? Yes, Bobby. While most river cruises charge you a flat fee to board, irrespective of demand for the trip, this week I'll be recommending the Cruise Stop Cruise Liner that boats around Tokyo Bay, which charges according to market fluctuations. Later in the show, I'll be giving you the top five subreddits that I recommend you check out, which will help you artificially manipulate the price before you board. Plus, one river cruise chain is using new technology to deal with that seasonal problem of pre-booking a boat during Sakura season, only to find that the cherry blossoms aren't in bloom when you get there. This year, if the timing doesn't work out, Riverboat staff will happily loan you an altered reality headset, which you can use at any point during the ride to see what it would look like if you had just stayed home. More on that later, but first, Soap Talk. Real quick, the last two shows we did not have Brian on as a guest, and we got so many messages from people who were upset that they didn't get to hear from him that we knew we had to get him back. So, once again, thank you for joining us, Brian. Hi, glad to be back. Good, and with that, since we have an actual lawyer on the show this week, Atsuro, I wanted to ask about the Olympics. And I read that Tokyo, even if they wanted to cancel the Olympics, which they don't, but even if they did, they can't because the contract they signed with the IOC says cannot. And it seems like this contract is so weighted in the favor of the IOC that Tokyo didn't read it. They just took the same approach that we take when we're scrolling through a new website that we're signing up for going, yeah, 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 agree, agree, agree. Is it the case that Tokyo genuinely, their hands are tied, there's nothing they can do? Yeah, it's true. I read the 
the contract called host city contract. It was made between uh, IOC, JOC, and Tokyo. And Tokyo is not allowed to terminate the contract. Uh, but IOC can do that. And there's no clause to, like a force majeure saying if there's a deadly pandemic, they're allowed to stop. Actually, there is a the clause like a force majeure, but uh, uh, the decision is up to IOC. IOC can decide uh, yeah. to change uh, the program or when to start the Olympic, but uh, Tokyo has no uh, no right to decide. Well, what are the what are the consequences here? Because they can't literally force the city to host the Olympics. Like they can't make the Japanese athletes show up and compete. They can't force open, you know, the venues. So what are <laughs> I have this idea of so someone grabbing the legs of an athlete going, Come on, one foot in front of the other, you will reach the finish make line. Make them throw the javelin. So but like what are the consequences if Tokyo just comes out and says we're not gonna do it? In that case, I think uh, IOC will terminate the contract, uh, and uh, that is uh, because of uh, Tokyo's fault. And does that mean that Tokyo is financially liable? Yeah, uh, IOC will ask for huge compensation. <laughs> so, so essentially, Tokyo would have to pay the IOC to take away the Olympics, which is funny because it seems like just yesterday that they were paying the IOC to bring them the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are doing like a chicken game. Uh, who will say first that we can't do anymore? And would there be wider consequences to who blinks first? For example, there might be some insurance schemes that would only pay out if it was Tokyo that decided to cancel the Olympics and not the IOC, for example. Is, is a lot of money resting on who blinks first? Yeah, I think it influences huge impact on other businesses. It depends on the contract, how it was created, the wording. Uh, but uh, yeah. force major clause are not created uh, uh, considering this coronavirus situations. It's so difficult to apply. Yeah. Well, the whole situation is unexpected. I don't think anyone expected to see a game of chicken on the mm -hmm. new additions to the Summer Olympic events. Um, and also, I mean, if there's any silver lining, if there's any silver lining to any of this, it's that we on this podcast now get to say that Dick Pound has Tokyo bent over a barrel. <laughs> and with that, let's jump into the news. Kyoto News reports that Taro O'Sullivan, ex-director of Amnesty Japan, is suing the organization for firing him after he developed depression resulting from being forced to speak and write in Japanese. Interestingly enough, most foreign employee depression in Japan usually stems from being forced to speak English. Our own JBRC Press Club correspondents have followed up on this story. Yes, Kimberly Tierney reports that O'Sullivan's lawyers plan to bring his Japanese mother into his defense, arguing there may be a genetic reason for him to believe that his employers didn't want him to speak up. He is, after all, 50% Japanese woman. And Lawrence Dennis confirms reports that the trouble started when O'Sullivan said konnichiwa at work and everyone there assumed he was fluent. Meanwhile, correspondent TBAN Pod finds himself unable to dignify a story about a person named Taro O'Sullivan. That reporting in detail coming up later. If you'd like to join the JBRC Press Club, you can follow us at JBRC Pod for next week's assignment.
Bobby Gino, what are we going to talk about this week? Well, while the conditions of Taro O'Sullivan's dismissal might seem unique to his particular situation, there are many others in Japan right now, 80,000 in fact, who have lost their jobs because of pandemic-related economic trouble. And for foreigners who've been let go, it's not always clear what your legal rights are in these situations. Atsuro, as someone who represents non-Japanese residents in legal matters here in Japan, have you seen a lot of concern about this? Yes, I have received many questions regarding wrongful termination and salary cut mm. and also harassment issues. And typically, what do these cases look like? Well, as you know, job protection in Japan is really strong. So most of them is illegal. So uh, there, there is always you can do to fight against employers, but uh, they don't get the proper advice. So generally, whenever there's a problem, there's a business which is trying to stay afloat and there is an employee that has signed an employment contract in good faith, but nevertheless, the business can't pay. So what are the specific things which businesses are trying to do, which the law says they cannot do? So firstly, employer can't lay off easily and they need to pay all of their salaries uh, in the fi mm. on the fixed date every month. That's a law requirement. And uh, if they do not follow that uh, basic, uh, basic rule, that's illegal. And if they don't pay on time, what do you do? <laughs> I mean, it's not a criminal matter, is it? It's still a civil matter. So you still need to go through some legal process to ask for that money. Of course, you can get assistance from lawyer, but uh, it mm. costs money, uh, sometimes much. But uh, you can just go to labor standard inspection office. Uh, they will inspect uh, any illegal activities uh, which against the uh, Japanese Labor Standard Act. How easy is that for foreigners to do? Because I think like if you look on Twitter, you get the sense that a lot of non-Japanese residents in Japan feel like they don't have any rights. Or if they were to go to a government office to complain, they might not be taken seriously. Do foreigners, in your experience, feel comfortable making these kinds of claims or trying to deal with these kinds of issues? Mm, that's a tough question. Uh, actually, Japanese labor law apply equally to Japanese and non-Japanese and labor Standard inspection office uh, always help you, but uh, I understand uh, many of uh, non-Japanese people are afraid of uh, uh, taking it seriously. Uh, take that case into the uh, labor standards inspection office because you know your employer uh, will mm. revenge and uh, will give you like. Uh, uh, disadvantageous treatment. So you have to remember that you're talking to uh, one of us is American. And as an American, it was my impression that, you know, I'm not even allowed to take a 30 second pee break on my 12 hour Amazon warehouse shift. My <laughs> sense is that the law is all on the side of the employers. Is it the case in Japan where the law prioritizes the employer's rights over the employees? No, ro Japanese law prioritize employees. Absolutely. Uh, there's a really strict uh, requirement uh, Japanese company needed to satisfy in order to 
uh, dismiss people. Well, let's let's talk through those then, because I, I can imagine I do feel some sympathy for small business owners who haven't received the support they need from the government and are looking to keep their business afloat. Presumably, there are some cases where they are going to have to let some people go. What are the steps they would have to follow in order to do so legally? There is, uh, they need to satisfy four requirements. Uh, that company has to uh, have real necessity to reduce personnel. And also they need to uh, make proper efforts to avoid dismissal. And uh, that selection of the people who you want to dismiss uh, should be fair. And also you have to uh, sufficiently discuss with your employees uh, about the uh, process of uh, that dismissals. Otherwise, uh, your layoff is mm. illegal. So it's really difficult. And I see most cases, uh, they fail to satisfy one or two uh, requirements. Mm. I imagine one of the difficult ones is going to be this idea of fairness, because this is something which is presumably a matter of judgment for a judge or a tribunal. Yeah. What criteria are there to decide whether it's fair? I agree. It's uh, not easy uh, requirements. But uh, imagine you uh, don't like one employee and uh, you actually have the financial crisis. Uh, you choose that employee because you don't like that mm. guy. That's yeah. unfair. Well, yeah, that's you a really I mean? interesting way to, to phrase what could become an issue of discrimination. Because I think mm -hmm. what we've seen just in terms of immigration policy and things like that is that Japan and other countries favor their own citizens first. And in a workplace setting, it might be really easy to go, Who we need to lay off people, who do we lay off? And the foreign employees might top that list a lot faster than the Japanese employees. Do they count that when they're evaluating? Yeah, because you might have to pay for visa I, renewals or in yeah. the contract, there may even be, you know, we pay for your housing or whatever. I hope no, that is not the case. But uh, mm, I can't deny because most of non-Japanese people working uh, under fixed-term contract uh, for employer, it's easy just to, you know, to refuse the renewal of the contract yeah. rather than the laying off. So that that's why many part-time workers or non-permanent staff are suffering from this termination. So without revealing any private information, can you give us maybe an example of a case where somebody came to you and said they were they they were the victim of a wrongful termination. I experienced one case uh, that was uh, in that case her contract will be uh, was terminated during the uh, during the effective period of the labor contract. Mm. But it's actually uh, not allowed uh, except for really a special case. But uh, the company wanted to, what the company tried to do was uh, just encourage voluntary resignment, uh, resignations. Right. Uh, the company uh, asked her to sign the paper. She agreed this, that this, uh, she will voluntarily re resign mm. from the company, retire from the company. That uh, company often comes, that's, uh, company often uses these tactics 
to avoid paying redundancy mm -hmm. money. Sneaky. <laughs> and, and so in that case, even though your client had signed something saying, yeah, I'm going to take redundancy, you still managed to fight for some kind of unfair dismissal claim. If you sign any document, it's going to be really difficult for lawyers to fight against the employ employers. Mm. Right. But it's not because impossible. They once, not impossible because uh, that uh, agreement needs to be based on voluntary will. Right. Which, which requires understanding of it. You can't agree to something that you don't understand, right? Yes. Well, that's a good question. Can you use that excuse if, if your employer gives you a contract that's written in Japanese and you don't understand it, but you sign it anyway, in the same way that the Tokyo Olympic Committee signed the contract <laughs> with the IOC? Uh, can you just say, well, look, I didn't understand it, and so therefore I, I shouldn't be held to it? Yeah, so that's why I think a Japanese company tried to use uh, English version uh -huh. of the that kind of document. Right. If there is no such translation, I think you can use that tactics to fight against them. I yeah. hate to ask this, but in the number of cases that you've seen, what percentage of those cases do you think the company is hoping that because the employee is foreign, they'll get away with something that they might not get away with otherwise? I'm happy to give one quick example here. When I left an apartment, about four months later, I got an email uh, saying uh, I needed to pay an invoice for something like 6,000 US dollars for new flooring. And I got a call from a, the really, really dodgy agent saying, um, just can I just confirm that you approve the contents of the email? And I said, let me read the email and I'll get back to you. And I read the email and it was complete nonsense. And so I got my lawyer friend to uh, to write a pretty hefty email. Uh, and I put Kyushu Daigaku Hogakubu, Kyushu University Legal Department, on my signature. And just with one email, they never bothered me again. And you would think if I owed, if I actually owed them $6,000, they might follow up with just one more email to try. So I'm pretty sure that was a case of they saw a katakana name and thought, should we try and uh, should we try and pay for this year's uh, this year's Christmas dinner? Uh, so I, I believe that I was maybe the victim of that. Do you see cases, Atsuro, where you think that that's what companies are trying to do? They're trying to take advantage just because someone's foreign. Yeah, I think a company wanted to use that tactics too. Uh, I think uh, now nowadays uh, there are many technical inter technical. Mm -hmm. intern trainee mm. got fired because they don't have uh, enough knowledge and uh, they voluntarily signed the document they will they agree to that uh, termination that is such nonsense isn't it the technical intern doesn't have enough knowledge whose fault might that be who is well, responsible for giving them that knowledge you loser that, that does raise a point that we should address which is that a lot of the people who are the most victimized by these sorts of wrongful terminations might not be people like mr ali horn who is in kyushu daigaku hogakubu it's these like <laughs> vietnamese or nepalese or uh southeast asian trainees yes and often it's not just the case that there's an employment contract but they may also have their housing provided they may even have their mobile phone contract th through through their company their whole life might be tied up to this document and so i can understand why you might be quite nervous to take legal action because potentially everything can be taken away from you is there a support network for for, for these kind of individuals 
I don't think they can get uh, enough support uh, from government or lawyers. Uh, I have never received any questions from them. Uh, they, their agent uh, managing or controlling their lives. Uh, I, but uh, we don't know. Uh, we, I want to mm. reach out to them to support, but uh, there's no way at the moment. What do you mm. think needs to be done? I mean, the pandemic has made it very, very clear that a lot of the non-Japanese residents here are suffering economically. What do you think needs to be done in the future to create a support network for them? There is a lawyer's network to support foreigners. We are uh, supporting uh, by providing telephone consultation every month for free of charge. Uh, but uh, I, I sometimes attend that uh, consultation as pro bono activity, but I, I just, you know, like uh, I receive one or two phone calls uh, during mm -hmm. uh, whole day. So I'm kind of really bored waiting for the calls. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the help is there. It's just it's not this getting to people. Happens. Yeah. There, so like there are many people want to support, but uh, cannot reach to the people uh, who yeah. really need help. And do you think people mm. are concerned about the costs, even though it's a you know this like Muri or Sodan system? Do you think people <laughs> might be worried that yeah, sure, I might get an hour of a lawyer's time, but if there is some kind of protracted legal battle, even if I win, mm. I'm going to end up the loser. Yeah. Yeah. They are afraid of asking lawyers. Uh, as I said, uh, they don't want to pay the legal fees, and also they don't want to fight against employers mm. uh, because uh, they are afraid of the revenge from them, and it will lead to the lose, losing their jobs. So in terms of corona, we've, we've heard a lot about corona harassment. I know there's a lot of issue with um, residents mm. of Chinese descent being discriminated against uh, because people are afraid that they're carrying the, the coronavirus. We hear about corona harassment in terms of people in the medical profession. Uh, I talked to some ryugakuses, some exchange students last week that said they're trying to do their shushokukatsudo. They're trying to interview online for jobs. And a lot of times just having a foreign name in this current environment makes it difficult for them to get jobs. If you're a part-time employee or if you're doing shushoku katsudo and trying to find employment, are there any rights that you think that they should know that they have? So during job hunting, uh, they have a right to be treated fairly. Uh, that is based on uh, Japanese constitution law and also mm -hmm. labor law. And also uh, during the corona crisis, uh, many company canceled unofficial job offer to student that's uh in japanese law regarded as one of you know termination of contract so it has to be it has to satisfy some requirements like uh, dismissal of employees but the company easily uh, cancel the uh, unofficial job offers so that uh, i think foreign student Need to should know. Uh, you can uh, complain about that cancellation. 
What about foreign talento when somebody books you for a job and then that job falls through? Do I, can I still bill them for that? Or, or what if you turn up and they say you looked thinner in your profile? <laughs> I... Yeah, that that's yeah. problem. Yeah, that uh, company wants to hide the yeah. real intention. I, I saw a fight online that someone was trying to defend a company's right to say Japanese only in a job description. And someone said, oh, that should say native Japanese speaker only. To which my view is, well, no, it should say native Japanese level, <laughs> but not necessarily native Japanese speaker. Where, where is the line? What is a company allowed to do in, in this instance? Yeah, that's a really tough question um, because company is like a private uh, uh, entity. Mm. So it's not like a government or so. For example, uh, like you know, apartment. Uh, some apartment refused the contra uh, leasing contract mm -hmm. against the foreigners. Yes, uh, that I think the same situation. And my opinion is, uh, if you proceed the some steps uh, toward the uh, hiring people, like if you uh, submit the job description and uh, attend. Uh, one or two interviews, and you got a good feeling to be hired, but the, uh, the company refused because of uh, the nationality. Mm. That's illegal. Right. But otherwise, it's really difficult just, you know, denying foreign people from the beginning. <laughs> so the law basically says you can't get foreigners' hopes up. Uh, <laughs> right mm. now, you, you cannot <laughs> employ them. You can't just dangle a carrot uh, and then take that carrot away. Mm. So let's talk about if you get the job, but then the nature of the job changes. So let's say you're hired to do a certain job, but it ends up that you're just the person that's always doing the translation. Or, or, or let's say something even more egregious. You're hired saying that you're allowed to work from home, but they compel you to come into the office, which you think is unsafe because of corona what what happens when you are being given your job but the nature of the job changes so much that it doesn't really resemble what you originally agreed do you have legal recourse there in japan yeah i think it depends on the job type mm. you hired uh you are hired for like general uh job titles uh the company basically have freedom to change your job uh, but it can be harassment sometimes if you need are uh, forced to continue non-productive work all the times, mm. uh, you can. Uh, yeah, there is something. There is something <laughs> funny about a judge saying hmm, non-productive work. I, I mean, Japanese companies should surely be allowed uh, to have a certain amount of staff to do non-productive work. That's how they operate. So you mentioned harassment. Um, there's all kinds of harassment that we hear about in Japanese vocabulary. You know, there's pawahara, there's sekuhara, uh, there's nyuhara. Um, all this crazy different stuff that you hear, but what's the burden of proof like, especially for a foreigner who wants to say, you know, this treatment is harassment or it's discriminatory based on my ethnicity or based on my nationality? I I'm assuming it's not easy to prove this kind of thing. In Pawahara case, uh, employees have, have to prove that your employers used dominant mm -hmm. position and uh, their instruction or behavior is not necessary and uh, uh, that behavior damaging work environment for mm. employees. I think that's not really clear requirements that uh, they have to prove those requirements 
by using witness、mm. or recording. And have you had experience where people have made these claims and won? And if so, what do they get? Presumably, they don't get their job back because they don't want it. it. It's money, right? It's damages. It's always money. And is it a lot of money? Is it worth pursuing? I don't think so.、Uh, Japanese court do not give you a lot of、uh. compensation、uh, compared to U- United States. Yeah.、Uh, like uh, 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 less than、uh, mm. 1 million yen. In the US, it's common for. You know, if you win a lawsuit, then the losing party has to pay your legal fees. Is that something that happens in Japan? Well, it, it doesn't happen often.、Uh, losing party h a v e to bear some part of、uh, the fees, but not all. Basically,、uh, the person who hires a lawyer、uh, h a v e to pay its own lawyer's fee. Is there support for、uh, non Japanese residents of Japan from the Japan Lawyers Network for the fees? Sure, sure.、Uh, you can use the service of、uh, Hotelasu, Japan Legal Support Center.、Uh, if, you, uh, if you don't earn enough salary,、uh, you can pay by installments、mm-hmm. to lawyers. So we do, we do always try to keep this as light as possible, but this is a really serious issue.、Um, counting non Japanese people and Japanese people more than 80,000 people have been fired or had their contracts terminated because of the corona pandemic. If somebody is struggling because they've lost their job、uh, and they don't speak Japanese, they don't know where to turn, what are the things that you want these people to know? My advice is not to sign any documents, not to agree to the termination.、Uh, your company will encourage you to voluntary、mm-hmm. retirement. But,、uh, Uh, you shouldn't agree to that.、Uh, that's my best <laughs> advice. Your, your advice is identical to the advice that people on Reddit give、uh, when the NHK guy comes to your door. Don't <laughs> sign anything, tell them to go away. Hey, thanks very much for listening to Japan by River Cruise. If you've enjoyed the show and you want to make sure you don't miss out on any other insights, then do sign up for our monthly newsletter. Go to japanbyrivercruise.com, enter your email address, and trust us that we won't spam you any more than once a month. We won't. And thank you to our guest this week, Atsuro Tsujino. Atsuro,、uh, a lot of times Japan asks people like Ali and I to speak on behalf of all foreigners, and we usually don't. But this week I am willing to, and on behalf of all foreigners, say thank you. For the work that you're doing. If somebody needs your services, what can they look up to get access to them? Thank you.、Um, if you need any assistance from an English speaking lawyer, just Google my name and feel free to contact me or visit the website of Hotelas, Japan Legal Support Center. We provide the telephone consultation service for free every month to non Japanese residents. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week.